last 13 chapters of Genesis talk about one of the most amazing stories written in the Bible. The young man with the hat on, love that hat. What's your name? What's that? Andrew, could you help me for a second? Come on up here for a second. I'm not going to have you say anything. I'm not going to promise I'm not going to embarrass you. But I, <laughs> uh, Andrew is going to help me. How old are you? I love that. Love that. Andrew is 17. This is no, like no coincidence. Stand right here. This is no coincidence. Andrew, when I was 17, I got radically transformed by the power of God at a Bible camp. Can I see your hat for a second? I, excuse me. I know this is going to take up time, but I just feel like doing this. Ready? Andrew. Andrew, hang on a second. I just feel like doing this. Okay. I'm going to set this right here, and Andrew's going to represent just for a minute. He's going to represent our, our story character today as we're going through the Bible to see how God is involved in mankind's life. And Andrew, you're Joseph. And you see, Joseph was, was part of the family of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had a bunch of sons. Joseph was one of them. Now, Joseph was special. Joseph, well, at least he was special to his dad, Jacob, because he made him a special coat of many colors. You're, gu- you're really guapo in this thing, you know that? Yeah. Do you speak Spanish? All right, then you can come to the 130 service, and I'll do it all in Spanish for you. Okay, so Joseph was the 17-year-old son, and they say that he was a good-looking man. He was a hunk. He was, he was well-built, and, and, and he had this. He was the favorite of dad, and his, his renegade brothers were shepherds. They would go out and take care of the sheep, and Joseph kind of hung back around with dad and stuff. And one day, one day, one day, Joseph has a dream. Now, now there wasn't Bible back then. There weren't churches back then. But yet God was revealing himself to his people. The, the, the nation of Israel was born through Abraham. God visited Abraham. God visited Isaac. And God visited Jacob. And now God's visiting Joseph. So Joseph falls asleep. Joseph fell asleep, and he had a couple of dreams. One of the dreams, oh, there were sheaves of wheat, and they were bowing down to him. And another one, the, the sun and the moon and, and, and 11 stars were all bowing down to Joseph. So he wakes up, wake up, he wakes up, and he goes and tells his brothers, yeah, I had a dream that you guys were all bowing down to me. You know, you can imagine how his brothers felt about that. You know, him being the favorite and all. They were filled with jealousy. In fact, they were filled with hatred. They didn't really like him a whole lot. And, and then he, he told his dad, and his dad says, Jacob says, you know, chill out about those dreams. You know, you're, you're freaking everybody out about this stuff. We don't understand what that means. Joseph didn't understand what that meant. Now, Joseph's life was about ready to take a ma- major, major turn. One day, Jacob says to Joseph, he says, now, why don't you go out and find your brothers? They might be about a day's journey out there. They're taking care of the sheep. Why don't you go out and find out how they're doing, and then come back and tell me about it. Joseph takes off. And, and he finds his brothers. His brothers, when they see him coming, you know what they do? They go, ah, here comes that dreamer. Oh, here comes a favorite, a dad. You know what? We're kind of sick and tired of his attitude and all his dreams. And, and, uh, and they conspired to kill him. But then one of the brothers said, no, let's not kill him because he's like our flesh and blood. We want that on, I want that on our heads. So, let, so he comes, and when they see Joseph, they go, brothers kind of put your hands out like brothers hermanos hermanos and and they came up to him and rather than hugging him they ripped off his cloak threw him down into a dry well into a pit just sit on the platform for a second threw him you're doing a great job andrew threw him down into a pit went and grabbed the goat cut the throat of the goat all the blood gushing out they filled this coat of many colors with blood and then they sent this coat back to dad 
back to Jacob and said, you know, have you seen Joseph? They go, oh, we haven't seen Joseph lying. We haven't seen Joseph, but was this his? You know, well, well, you know, it's all full of blood. I think wild animals just must have torn them apart. And so they deceived their dad. Can you imagine living with that? Can you imagine living with that year after year? So they deceived their dad. His, the dad rips his clothes and he goes into mourning. And, and, Joseph, and Joseph is down in this pit. A, a, a group of Ishmaelites are coming down the road in their caravan. They're headed all, all the way over to Egypt. And so what ends up happening, one of the brothers said, well, let's not kill them, let's sell them. We'll sell them for 20 pieces of silver and, and we'll make a little money off this deal. And away with Joseph and we'll see if you ever you know, have your dreams fulfilled. And so they sold the guy. You can get back up because you're sold now. They pulled him out of the pit. Now, you can imagine poor Andrew. Andrew poor Joseph, he was, he was traicionado. How do you say that in Spanish? Yeah, he was, he was forsaken and, 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 and rejected by his brothers. Their backs turned on him. He doesn't now ever get to tell his dad what happened. He knows his brothers hate him. He doesn't think he's ever going to get back home again, which he didn't. And now he's going off to some foreign country like a missionary, though he never signed up for this. I don't know if you ever in your life ever said, you know what, I never signed up for this. (laughs) You ever say this? This was not supposed to work out this way. Now all of a sudden he's going through, he's going through. He's taken into Egypt. Now you're in Egypt. That was a long trip. For the sake of time, we're just going to move you like three feet. Now he's in Egypt, and you know what, what happened in Egypt was there was a man by the name of Potiphar, and he had a wife and, and family and such, and he was like the second most power. He was part of the big you know, pharaoh deal. And, and while, he was serving, while he was serving Potiphar he, as a slave, as a servant, uh, Potiphar's wife, we don't know if she was a babe or not, but, but he was a hunk. Because that's what the Bible says. Well, he didn't know the word hunk. Well, in Hebrew, hunk. Is that, that's translated hunk. So he was, so kind of be hunkish. Yeah, there you go. And so, so Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife going up there, and she tries seducing the guy. Now, this happens in the workplace in, in, in our towns, right here in, in the Dallas area. This happens all the time. Women trying to seduce the men, men trying to seduce the women. Well, this woman, she's trying to seduce uh, Joseph, and he's saying no. And he keeps running away, running away. And, and one day, she gets so violent, she wants to go out back and, and, and do some hanky-panky when Potiphar's not around. Joseph, having a fear of God on his life, even after 11 years now he's away from home, grabs, she grabs a hold of him and says, come with me. And, and he pulls away from her and rips his outer shirt off. Should we do it? No, let's not do it. Rips his outer shirt off, and he runs away so he wouldn't sin against God. Now she, she screams, rape, 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 I'm being, I'm being, and the guards come in, don't even ask him. I mean, her word was, and you know what they do to him? I'll show you what they did to him. This is bad news, poor Joseph. They threw him, it's almost over, Andrew, seriously. Andrew's saying, I did not sign up for this. Here, you got to put your hands in here. He said, I did not sign up for this. I put this on, <laughs> you know, you may not like it, but they do, and that's the important thing. <laughs> because they left their homes today to come to church, and they wanted to hear something. Good. So Joseph now gets thrown into prison. Go ahead and sit on the platform there. He gets thrown into prison because apparently, you know, he was trying to, and he wasn't, 
falsely accused, gets down into prison. He's there two years after two years. You know, I don't know what went through his mind, but it was like, man, what did I ever do to deserve this? You know, I'm trying to live my life right, and I have, I have no answers. Where is God in all of this? Thirteen years passed since the time he went to visit his brothers, and he's now in jail. And there's two guys that are in jail with him, and Pharaoh was kind of the kind of guy, he was like the ruler of the world, and he didn't like his baker, and he didn't like his cupbearer, so he threw him into prison. And they're down there, and they have dreams, just like Joseph. They have dreams. And God reveals to Joseph the interpretation of their dreams. The baker's going to get hung, and the cupbearer's going to be restored to his position. And Joseph is the one that interpreted that dream. Now, here's a curious thing. Joseph had dreams 13 years earlier. And so far, there's no fulfillment of his dream. Yet, he's interpreting dreams for other people, and they happen right away, like the next day. Immediate fulfillment. And so Joseph, stand up again, Joseph, tells the guy, tells the guy now, now, when you get up and you talk to Pharaoh, would you tell him I'm down here? Because I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. And he forgot. And he went back to his thing. And all of a sudden, now, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh's all, oh, he's all messed up. His dream is driving him nuts. And the cupbearer says, oh, oh, that's right. Oh, I have sinned. And he said, there's a guy down in prison that told us about our dreams, and they all came true. Maybe we ought to consult him. So they called for Joseph. Sit back down again. I called you up too early. I want to remind you guys of something. That Joseph did not understand what God was writing. I mentioned before that we all have a book in heaven. And it's true, not only is recorded everything that we've done, good and bad, but God's writing a story. And a lot of times we think that in our lives, you know, everything has gone wrong. This wasn't supposed to happen this way. And we're living this lower story down here on earth where you don't have the eyesight or the insight to be able to see what God is up to, but God is writing our story. And what happens is if we don't understand that God is sovereign, that God is in charge, that God is watching, that God is, knows what you're going through, if we don't see that there's this upper story being written about us, then we have a tendency to get very discouraged, very disappointed in God. And, and many times people, when they don't see that, they become very disobedient. They say, well, if God doesn't come through for me, then I'm just going to come through for myself. Like the young lady in Spain who was a beautiful Christian girl and decided to marry an unbeliever because she was tired of asking God to provide her a nice godly husband. He wasn't doing it in her timing, so she went to a bar and found an atheist. And they got married, and now her life is in in shambles. Why didn't she wait? She she got disappointed in God. She, She became disobedient. Or a friend of mine who was in church and they... They asked the pastor to leave for whatever reason. She didn't think it was fair or just. She got sick and tired of the church. And the church, and if that's the real church, and, and, if the, and, and, and so she went to New Age. And so she went to Eastern religion. So she becomes disobedient because, because you see, or maybe, or maybe you lost your job. That happens to us. 
And if you don't understand that there's this upper story going on, then you just will start doubting God and questioning God and saying why. And, or maybe you married the, the love of your heart, the person of your dreams. Five, seven years later, your marriage is in shambles. And you said, I never planned it to be this way. Or maybe you were abused. Or maybe you had an abortion and you wish oh, that sure wouldn't have happened. And now you say, my life's all messed up. Nothing could ever happen with it any longer. And here's Joseph down in prison, 13 years. Nothing's going the way he planned. We're almost done with you, uh, Andrew. But I want, you to, I want you to see something that the Bible says. In Genesis 39, 9, when Joseph was tempted, it says that he, did, he didn't throw out his faith in God just because he was in a hard time. It said, he said, how could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He still had a fear of God 11 years after he was thrown into slavery, he didn't turn his back on God. He still had that fear of God, didn't want to sin against him. Look what it says in Genesis um, um, 39, 2. It says that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with, everybody say, the Lord was with Joseph. Now Joseph, I would imagine, did not feel that way. Yet the Lord was with Joseph this whole time. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. There's going to come a time when God's story up here, this upper story, intersects with our lower story and God fulfills his plan. But you have to wait for it, just like what happened to him. So he gets called. Okay, now you can stand up. Sorry it took so long. So Joseph gets up. He shaves. Shave. He takes off his prison garb. Take off your prison garb. This is the worst part of the drama for you now, okay? He takes off his prison garb. He's going to be presented before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, so I hear you're the man that interprets dreams. And he says, oh, I don't interpret dreams, but God interprets dreams. Kind of hold this right here. This is a, this is a great Facebook picture. I got, yeah, yeah, but you can lift up your hand so I can put this thing right here. And so, and so he's standing before Pharaoh now. is like an Egyptian, clean-shaven, standing there, no prison guard or anything. He just came from the prison. He took a shower and he said, I hear you do dreams. He said, I don't do dreams, but God does. Tell me your dream. So he tells him the dream and he says, and he says well, this is the interpretation that God has for you. God is trying to communicate something to you, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, well, what is it? He says, there's going to be seven years of abundance. And then after the seven years of abundance, there's going to be seven years of famine. And there's just going to ravage the land. And he says, and if you want to be able to save the country, this is what you need to do. And Joseph just begins to name all the plan of how we could save the country so that everybody won't die. And Pharaoh looks back at this young man and he goes, well, where have you been? He's kind of like, well, like in prison. Where have you been? And he says, what, what man in the, in the world will be better than Joseph? than to run this entire project. All right, now you can give Andrew a nice round of applause because he did a great job. Thanks, Andrew. And here's the deal, guys. God's upper story that God was writing intersected with Joseph's, and in a period of 24 hours, he went from a slave to be the deputy of Pharaoh. He became the second most powerful man in the entire world. And... God has a promise in Romans that we know by heart, Romans 8, 28. 
If you don't know it by heart, it's probably one of the verses that you'll memorize. It says that God will work all things together for our good. For those that are called and um, that those who love God and are called according to His purpose. The Proverbs says that, that we make our plans, but God directs our steps. I, on my ministry in Spain, have made all sorts of plans. I'm an idea guy. I'm a dreamer also. I love to have vision and dream and stuff. And, and God allows me that privilege. But you know what? I have these plans, but then I see God throughout my entire life, how he directs my steps because his, my, 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 my plan and his plan are constantly intersecting and God, God can get the things done. And look at, what, look at what the Bible says here in Psalm 105. Now we see the purpose of God. And with this, we're going to be closing. Now we see the purpose of God. Psalm 105 says, Moreover, God called for a famine in the land. This is God's upper story. Joseph did not know this, but he knows it now. He destroyed all the provisions of bread. He sent for a man before him called Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. They were laid in irons. Verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass. See, Joseph was 13 years with his dream in his heart about people bowing down to him and everything, and he didn't know what it meant. And now he's about ready to see it's going to come to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. And this is what happened. Joseph realized, in, uh, it says, uh, uh, Joseph realized then once he got the seven years of abundance and he was already now into the, uh, the second year of famine, his brothers and his dad over in Canaan realized that we're starving to death. And somebody said, there's provisions over in Egypt. So Joseph's brothers, those renegade, crazy brothers, came to Egypt, and who, lo and behold, the person that has to sell them grain so they won't starve to death is Joseph. Now, they don't even recognize Joseph. Clean-shaven, you know, his brother's got beards down to here, long hair, and wives and kids, and, and here's Joseph, clean-shaven, speaking... Perfect Egyptian. And you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. He didn't say, you scoundrels. <laughs> Now's my chance, you know. He didn't do that. Because he realized that God, God's story was being written. That God had sent him to be in that place at that time. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or be angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve your life. Verse 7 says, And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Isn't that beautiful? So now you've got Joseph, rather than taking vengeance out on his brothers, he forgives them. He forgives them because he saw now the fulfillment of God's upper story in his life. He goes, Oh God, Oh, the reason you sent me here was so that, so that we could preserve a nation. God had given birth to a nation through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now these guys aren't going to starve to death. Now they're in Egypt, which was prophesied that they would be there for 400 years, and they were. And, and God took that nation then, and then we'll follow the story later on in subsequent weeks here. But here's the deal, guys. I want to give you some words of encouragement. These are my last things I would like to encourage you with. Joseph went through several years of trial. God was testing him, and he became a man of God. Then he had 71 years of reign and rule in Egypt. He saved the nation. He was, he was God's man for the hour. 
But my question for you is, what about you today? God is not finished writing your story yet. So maybe you're here today or you're visiting or you've been coming for a while or maybe you've been hanging on to all sorts of disappointment and stuff in your life against God. But our message for you today is that God's not done writing your story. You have to understand that that there's a story being written for you besides the story that you're living out that's way above what you can understand or even dream of. And if you're faithful to the Lord, if you love God and are called according to His purpose, you can see that He's going to work everything out for good. He can heal and He can restore. Do not underestimate that God can restore a broken life. Broken lives all over this church that have been restored. There's no sin too great that you've committed that God can't forgive. Because that's God's heart. Forgive others. Don't hold grudges. Be like Joseph. Maintain a fear of God and a faith in God. Forgive those when people come up against you because perhaps God allows some of these things to form your character and that one day He's going to intervene in your life, which He will, if you stay faithful to Him. Remember, this is just a time of testing. So the question that we have for you today is, how is your book? Is your book cleansed from the sin that God, I'm sorry, that you have, that you have put in there? When God examines your book, realize that as he's, as he's writing your story, God can do a work in your life. God is doing a work in your life. That God loves you and that he wants to intersect with you. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you this, this afternoon to just awaken inside of us the reality of your sovereign control in our life. I pray that we would see you at work. In the past, we get so preoccupied with what is happening in our time and our reality and in our world, and we, we miss the moment of what you're doing on the grander scale. And I pray today you will help us have a perspective shift. That today we would see your hand at work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stay with me just for a moment before we walk out of the room today. And I want to challenge you. I want you to do something with me to help bring the point home. Let's use an object lesson like we were in children's church for a moment. And I want you to take your thumb, okay? Close one eye. And put your thumb as close to the open eye as you can. It obscures your vision. It blocks. You can't see anything but the thumb. Keep your eye closed and pull your thumb out. And all of a sudden, you can see around the thumb. It's still there, but you see around it. This is your lower story. And if you don't know there's another story being written, if you don't know there's a sovereign God behind everything that's going on in your life right now, and maybe He didn't cause the pain, maybe He wasn't the author of the abuse, maybe He wasn't behind the betrayal, but He's like the same for us as He was for Joseph's life. One of my favorite parts of the Joseph story is in Genesis 50-20, when Joseph looks at his brothers and said, you meant these things for evil against me, but God has meant them for good. I mean, what God is saying to us today is, Brian, North Place, I'm big enough and powerful enough and sovereign enough and control enough and graceful enough that I can take what has been meant for evil against you, what has been aimed at you, even the foolishness that you have brought on yourself. When I said in Romans 8 that all things work together for good, all means everything, anything. 
can be brought together in my sovereign plan. The reality for me is that when I know that there's a greater purpose in whatever I'm going through, I can endure just about anything. But if I believe this is the end of the story, this is all there is to it, then what's the point in this suffering? What's the point in this pain? But if somehow what I'm going through is going to bring glory to God, if somehow what I'm going through is going to bring somebody to Christ, if somehow what I'm going through, like Joseph said, is going to save many people, God is writing a story bigger than what I see. What I'm asking God to do is to help me remove the thumb of the lower story from my perspective and to give me a perspective shift today and realize when I can't track Him, I can trust Him. And even when I'm sitting in prison and I don't know there's something bigger happening, I just trust that something bigger is happening. That this isn't the end. Jacob said it. God is still writing the story. And He's big enough, graceful enough, faithful enough to take what was meant for evil and use it for His glory. As a young man, I was sexually abused by an uncle as that was a pastor, as a older in life, later years, my father abandoned my family. I was abandoned by one man, abused by another. I could have used those things as excuses, and as a teenager, I did. But when I began to realize that maybe God didn't cause that to happen to me, but He was willing and able to take even what they meant for evil to destroy me, that He would turn around and use it for good. And today, that pain in my life, is a passport, it's an access point into other broken people's lives. And I believe with all of my heart, God has taken what has been meant for evil and He's used it into my life to help touch and impact many, many other broken people. It's still there. When I pull it, I still see it. I mean, there's still abuse there. There's still a scar there. There's still abuse and abandonment in my past. I can't get rid of that. I don't, I, I'm not one of the lucky ones that lost the memories. Okay, I have the memories. It's there. But it doesn't control my life because I realize that was a part of my lower story that God said, you know what, Brian, if you'll let me have all of that, I'm going to write an upper story that is going to bring glory to my name. And I'm going to take all of that and use it for my purpose. And he wants to do that in your life. Whatever pit or prison you find yourself in today, don't check out. Don't get discouraged. Don't become disappointed. Don't become disobedient because you don't understand it. We don't understand a lot of things in this life but one thing the Bible promises us in the Psalms is that the days of my life were written in a book before I ever took my first breath I'm not the author of this story, he is and all things work together for good in just a moment we're going to stand and when we do our service prayer team for the 1130 service is going to make themselves available and maybe you're one of the people in this room today who heard the little the first part on the box And you thought, you know what? I'm not quite sure that I've allowed Jesus to blot out everything that's written in that book. And I'd really hate to stand before God without being justified, without having my life and everything in that book submitted to the grace and mercy of God. You can do that this morning. We'll pray with you. Or maybe you're in a pit or a prison somewhere and you just need somebody to agree with you that God lets you have a perspective shift come to the place that you trust His sovereign control, that everything that's going on in you that doesn't make sense, that He'll turn around and use for His glory. Would you stand with me all over this place? Prayer team, would you make yourself available today? I want to pray a blessing over you this morning and 
this afternoon and just ask God's favor to be with you just like it was with Joseph in Potiphar's house and in the prison. The Lord was with him and believe it or not, feel it or not, prove it or not, the Lord is with you. And today, I believe He's been with you enough to order your steps to bring you into this place so you could receive some much-needed prayer of forgiveness, surrender, help. Today, we want to be here for you, whether you're a seasoned believer who needs a perspective shift or an invited friend who really doesn't know a lot about church that says, you know what, I don't want to stand before God without having that stuff blotted out of my book. I need grace and forgiveness applied to my life today. Let us pray with you. Regardless of the miracle that you need, He is standing, He is with us today, standing ready and able to respond. I'm going to speak a blessing over your life right now. And if you need to respond to the altar, come even while I pray. And then we'll leave this atmosphere prayerful as we conclude today. Father, I pray that You'll bless them and keep them. That You'll make Your face shine down upon them. That You'll be gracious to them. That You'll turn Your countenance their direction. That You'll give them peace. In Jesus' name, Amen.